1: You're listening to
0: a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on.
1: From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Chelsea McLaughlin.
0: And I'm Laura Brodnick, coming to you live once again from Under a Blanket in Queensland. It does look like you are in an igloo. I know. I wish I was in an igloo. It's so hot because you have to
1: turn all the fans and lights off. It's fine. Well, luckily, today on the show, we are talking about something that I could talk about for hours. I know. Just on my own, because... We are once again talking about Married at First Sight. So it is officially finished. The reunion finale ended last night. We're going to talk through some of the biggest bombshells and some of the biggest disappointments as well. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gossip? I want more headlines.
0: Yes, so some wholesome news to kick things off today before we get into the Dirty Maths chat. So Disney is officially setting into motion a Moana live-action movie. Dwayne Johnson is developing it with Disney because obviously he wants to bring his character Maui back to the screen. He is playing Maui that's like already locked in. We are so excited and happy to announce that a live-action reimagining of Moana is in the works. Moana, Gramatala, the music, the dance, Tafiti, Pua the pig, the village, the beautiful, powerful ocean, and one more, what's that guys, oh, yours truly, Hey, hey, the chicken, kidding, hey Hei's gonna be in it, but of course Maui will be in it too. So obviously Alihi Verifule is not coming back to reprise Moana. She obviously voiced the character in the movie. She's a bit older now. She's off doing like wonderful things, but I'm sure they'll find someone else. But they've got the original writer from the animated movie to come and write the live action. It's still many years away. Like They've only announced that it's going into production. By the time they actually write the movie, film it, and put it out in cinemas, I think you're looking at a good three years minimum, probably longer. So there's no director attached to be part of the project yet, but we will keep you updated about a live action Moana. And another day, another Euphoria drama. Well, this one seems to be squashing the drama, this particular story, but we'll get into whether or not that's true. So Barbie Ferreira, the actress who starred on the first few seasons of Euphoria, huge HBO show. She played Kat Hernandez, was an absolute fan favourite. And then leading into season three, there was a lot of drama around her character, the idea that the creator of the show, Sam Levinson, had treated her badly, like allegedly behind the scenes that it was a toxic work environment. Those stories all bubbled up. She noticeably had a lot less to do, the character of Kat in Season 2 as opposed to Season 1. There were reports that she walked off set, she didn't attend the premiere or red carpet for Season 2, and then it was announced that she was officially leaving the show. So this is the first time that Barbie's really talked about what's happened in depth. So she went on the Armchair Expert podcast with Dax Shepard and Monica Padman. I kind of get the feeling she was maybe wanted to say more or maybe she just didn't want to talk about it at all so she was going around in circles but she did say of what happened with the show that she got sucked into the drama that she never asked to be involved in and she basically said to fans don't believe everything you read and then she said I actually didn't walk off set because that was a report at the time she said I did spray my ankle once and had to go get an x-ray maybe that's what they mean but she said that on her decision to leave it was a mutual decision and she just felt her storyline had come to a natural end Chelsea I know that you watch euphoria you've been across this whole drama what do you think of this do you think she's backtracking now or do you think maybe this is actually what happened and that whole storyline just blew up too much
1: I think it might be somewhere in the middle but I found the way that she spoke about this quite interesting because it was almost like she was trying to sidestep or maybe just tiptoe around the actual you know this is what happened or this is how I feel about it it was very tame, I want to say. I also think it's interesting that this is happening now just ahead of The Idol being released, which is the next big Sam Levinson show. And I feel like it's going to be a time where, you know, we're already seeing it, where he might get a little bit of bad press for his sets. So I found that really interesting. I would have liked her to just be a little bit more concrete in her answers, I think. Maybe if she was just like, I didn't like that he didn't know how to write cat." because he is writing the show and the reason that Zendaya's character is so strong is because it's basically Sam's own experience and so the main criticism of Euphoria is that the other characters he's just not invested in them and he is kind of the sole writer here and it's like well dude you need to have other voices and I think that's where the main criticism around Kat's storyline in particular is is like he's just not invested in her why couldn't he bring someone in who is invested in her because at the end of the day like Kat is a really interesting character and a really important storyline to include. So I just would have liked her to be a little bit harder, I think. But also, you know, if that's not her experience, that's not her experience.
0: Yeah, it's a weird thing because obviously these reports really bubbled up at the time and she didn't go to the premiere, but, you know, there's any reason that could have happened. But it does to me, like, it doesn't quite track with... The silence at the time, and now her acting like it was this strange thing that happened that she was aware of, but also didn't want to lead into. Like it's a very, obviously, a very complicated situation. That's the thing, because if she comes out and says anything negative about him, then her whole career, the press that she's doing for this new movie that she's in, that's all going to be about Sam Levinson, how he treated Mm -hmm. her. And so it is a very smart move on her behalf to try and just squash that and move on if it actually did happen. But what I thought was really interesting is what you're kind of saying of her talking about Sam Levinson only writing for one character, although he certainly feels okay about writing a lot of scenes for Sydney Sweeney where she takes the top Mm -hmm. off. But she talked about the fact that she was being pigeonholed in one particular way. And it feels like that was the reason that she walked away.
1: Did you want to leave the show or would you have preferred to stay?
0: I think it was a mutual decision. I think my character, who I love so dearly I don't think there was a place for her to go
1: she had run her course story-wise
0: yeah I mean I think that there were places she could go. I just don't think it would have fit into the show I don't know if it was gonna do her justice and I think both parties knew that I really wanted to be able to not be the fat best friend you know uh-huh. I really feel that is so telling not telling that there was some sort of friction between her and Sam but obviously he had disregarded that character which is such a shame because there really is no size diversity on TV at the moment or in movies especially in kind of these like younger teen shows where I feel like it's so prevalent and so important and we keep seeing these new casts be announced for shows and they're diverse in so many other ways which is obviously so important and so needed but not having size diversity I think gets swept under the carpet. And so when you have Barbie Ferreira being the only character on a teen show who wasn't that very conventional straight size look, there was a chance to kind of do something completely revolutionary. And revolutionary wouldn't have been her worrying about her body, which I think is where Sam wanted to take it because he couldn't imagine a world where a teenage girl who was not straight size, wouldn't focus and that wouldn't be her entire personality, whereas he could have just had this really cool character, which they had at the outset of Kat just being this kind of like powerhouse, interesting character who just happened to be in a non-straight size body and that would have been revolutionary. So I feel like what she wants to say is that he kind of took that away from her and whether or not they had a fight is not important. It's the fact that that got removed from our TV screens at all that seems to be the issue and seems why she walked away.
1: Yeah, it was interesting in the way that she worded that, that it seemed like they both kind of had that understanding, but she was not in a position where she could actually engage with him in that way and actually say, look, we could make her storyline about this. She says it wouldn't fit into the show. And that I think is pretty telling. Yeah, exactly.
0: I didn't mean to sound at the beginning of the podcast that I was sort kind of calling her out for not like taking down Sam Levinson. That's just not her job and way more trouble than it's worth at the end of the day. But I think reading between the lines, it's clear to see what's happened. But we'll link the full podcast interview with her in the show notes because she does go into a lot of her backstory and how she felt on the show. So, if you're a fan of Barbie Ferreira, it's well worth a listen. Na, 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 na.
1: Married at First Sight Season 10 is done. Properly done this time, not just like final vows or final commitment (laughs) ceremony or final dinner party, like actual final final. And I feel like it's been a very long time coming. Well, I'll believe it when I see it because it feels like this show (laughs) is never going to end. Honestly, I almost expected at the end of yesterday's episode for there to be a trailer that was like, next week, and I would have (laughs) just had to have died. (laughs) But anyway, we have made it, and unsurprisingly, it hasn't been a very successful season in terms of love, There are two couples who are still together. So the reunion was filmed in December, so that was obviously sort of three, four months ago. A lot has happened in between that time. But the two couples that ended up together at the end, Melinda and Leighton and Tani and Ollie, are still together, we believe, at this point. So, you know, claps to the experts. You you did it. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit, at least. A little bit. Like a two out of 12 situation. So look, I don't know if they deserve kudos for that. But anyway... The main sort of talking points to come off the back of the actual final is the choice of who actually made it onto our screens, because that was really interesting. So we're going to run through sort of some of the biggest talking points out of the final episode. So yes, there was 12 couples overall. Only five actually made it into the final episode. Everyone else was there to look pretty and make shocked faces. So four of the five couples who made it to Final Vows ended up in the finale couch, plus Sandy and Dan, who left a couple of weeks ago, and Jesse and Claire, who left a little later and were sort of a fan favorite. They were very much a roller coaster ride and sort of a centerpiece of quite a lot of the drama. What was more interesting around that was who actually didn't make it on screen. We spoke a little bit last week about how they tried to almost wholesome it up. This year, make it a little bit feminist in a way with the way that the women were getting, you know, positive edits where maybe they would not have previously got positive edits. And I think that really showed in the finale.
0: Yes, because you'd been saying previously, and even from my point of view, like I did not watch all of Married at First Sight, but from the past seasons, even I could tell that it's very much been focused on women being the villains in a way that's more interesting to the audience and just like, oh, that guy's being a misogynistic jerk, but we expect men to be that. So it's never as headline making as when you have two women who are villains and they turn on each other. Like, that's TV gold.
1: It was interesting, though, because there was one, and I'm going to use the word villain, but I don't mean it as in, like, you know, malicious or anything. I also mean the reaction from the audience. So Alyssa was sort of the one remaining woman on the show who was controversial because basically she just kind of had – a dreamboat husband. Like, I called him a maths unicorn throughout my recap because he just <laughs> seemed, and it might have been editing, but he just seemed perfect in the way he communicated and like emotionally mature, blah, just like box ticking in a way that you do not expect from men on Married at First Sight. And she basically self sabotaged their entire relationship and sort of just like second guessed everything he said and was very much almost gaslighting. And then at the end, she gets this big redemption where she watches their sort of storyline play out because they recap it all for them. And then she's like, actually, I think I was the problem. I'm so sorry. Wow. And I thought that was really interesting to see. And then you had the shitty men who did not do that. And that was very much showed or, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, didn't actually even get the chance to have a redemption. So the main issue people are having is with who didn't. Make it onto merit at First Sight. I'm sure, Laura, you, you don't watch it, but you're across it, so you will have heard the names Harrison and Bronte, right? Yes,
0: but just for anyone else who doesn't
1: watch, <laughs> who are these kids? Okay, so Harrison is the worst person that I don't know. <laughs> Those two were kind of the centrepiece of the entire drama of the season. Minus sort of, you know, issues within individual couples, those two were the people that were causing drama as the entire group and that is kind of why people tune in on this, right? So Harrison really orchestrated pretty much all of the drama of the season. He was dropping bombs on other people's relationships. He was, you know, at all the dinner parties sitting back smirking as he kind of pulled strings and he was just (laughs) the worst. And I think most people will have tuned into yesterday's episode expecting Harrison to get his comeuppance. I think they would have expected him to sit down on the couch and the experts who have not actually held him accountable for anything throughout nine weeks. He's been able to get away with all of this without them actually really saying anything. They've kind of just been like, we don't believe you. You're a bit of a dick. I mean, these people are supposedly psychologists and this guy is displaying incredibly harmful behaviors. And you would expect maybe them to call him out on that. And I think everyone was really, really excited to see that happen. And he did not even make it onto the couch
0: that is so wild because like it's a show about you know love but not really but mostly about betrayal but it feels like the finale was one last married at first sight betrayal to the audience (laughs) by kind (laughs) of leading them into this idea that you'd watch this person do all this horrible shit over the season and that we're going to get at least held to an account because also that makes good tv like i'm not expecting Mm -hmm. maths to do the moral thing here but someone really rinsing this dude that australia collectively dislikes and has seen all this terrible stuff he's unfold, holding him to account, not like a public swing him up or anything like that, although you know, I feel like maths does lean into that, would have been really good TV. So it feels also like a missed opportunity at the last fence to not do that.
1: Oh, 100% agree. Although, look, the experts are technically experts and psychologists, but I think at the end of the day, they are beholden to production. This is a reality TV job. And so perhaps they weren't able to hold him to account in a way yeah. that you know you would expect a psychologist to do. And in that case, I would have preferred not to have seen Harrison than to have seen Harrison just not be held accountable once again. I think that would have been even more upsetting as a viewer. One last thing I want to talk about is – this all happened in December and the show ended on a really weird wholesome note, which is Claire and Jesse, who were, as I said earlier, a big roller coaster. There was cheating scandals and there was, you know, Ick lists and lots of fights. They really didn't seem like they were going to go well it all kind of worked out they you know became close again and the entire audience was really really rooting for them until Harrison my biggest enemy <laughs> dropped a bomb ruined the relationship they came back and they seemed like they were friendly and they were going to hang out outside of the show and then it ended and with this weird false hope now that was weird to watch because that was filmed in december and we are now in april and over the last few weeks Jesse has been doing sort of tell-all interviews and you know speaking to tabloids and podcasts and that sort of thing Basically talking a little bit of shit about Claire. And so from the point of view of viewers, everyone feels a little bit duped by that. And I know we talk a lot about reality TV timelines in regards to like the Kardashians and that kind of thing. Is it just that there's too much time happening in between these things actually happening and going to air?
0: Yeah, I'd say so because they get out in the real world and I know they have to like sign contracts and they have to be careful about what they do and how they behave, but it's a long amount of time for them to stay in that Married at First Sight bubble and I think it sort of pulls you out of the narrative, if you will, of Mm -hmm. watching the show and knowing that like It's happened such a long time ago, whereas with the Kardashians, it's like you're getting like a little peek behind the scenes, and you kind of don't expect there to be any new information. Like You wouldn't expect to be watching Kardashians and have a new person introduced or a new romance start, because we know we're watching in the past. But with this show, it does feel like you're in real time with it a bit more. So yeah, it probably has taken away from the finale a little bit.
1: And I think ultimately, it just felt a little bit flat. It felt somewhat wholesome in the way it ended and there is not one person in this country that is tuning in to the Married at First Sight reunion finale for wholesome. If you would like to give a read to my final recap, we will pop that in the show notes for you.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick and Gia Moylan with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and over on The Spill Instagram.
1: Bye. Bye na 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 na